Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Avi Dawji and this is the Big Picture broadcasting live on Radio Islam and Radio Al Ansar. Yes, Bayo Beno or Buzruko, Alan Wasalan and how's it, eh? The Big Picture, your weekly dose of serious news analysis of local and international events and developments. Looking beyond and behind the headlines of the mainstream media, shining the spotlight on delinquent politicians, meaning, of course, Chorwans, delivering a sharp kick to the backsides of shameless, bare-faced hypocrites and warmongers, cocking a snoot at states that blatantly practice double standards, and more importantly, call out the racists, the bigots, and fascists who pompously strut the world stage with the demeanor of a Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa. Hey, quite a package this is, eh? Muta. But hey, we also look at the totally gandu, the downright ridiculous and totally hilarious situations in this crazy world. Well, not much of that today, Habibi, except what I heard recently. One guy asked his chummy, Hey, Bamu, why do you call your fro 12? Why do you call your fro 12? And the Mamu answered, I call her 12 because she doesn't cook, she doesn't clean, she doesn't do anything. <laughs> uh, the other day I went to that shop in Emerentia that stocks all kinds of goodies, lots of frozen stuff, Lahori kebabs, pies, samosas, etc., uh, and the owner gets uh, some stuff from KZN also. So at the fridge where the meat is displayed, I looked in and a strange thought occurred to me. Yes, folks, a question arose in my mind. I wonder if Stanger people buy Joburg sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that? I wonder if Stanger people buy Joburg sausages. Don't worry, Mota. Your fro will explain it to you. By the way, let me just see if I'm on the line still here. By the way, I mentioned Lahori kebabs. I, I really don't know what that means. These days you go to a fancy wedding and there is a fancy menu on the table with some strange and wonderful names. Um, for example, the starters, it would say, Moroccan salad with Venetian dressing, Hedrabaji soji, halwa e Yemeni, and the main cause, Kabul ki murgi cooked with almonds and Kashmiri red chili sauce. Malaysian steak with grilled baby potatoes in a bed of Shanghai fried rice and the dessert would be Azerbaijani faluda with Jaipur uh, uh, cane syrup and the drinks pink and blue Karachi icy fizz or Baluchi cinnamon tea served with slices of Marrakesh peanut cake wow listeners <laughs> what an exot exotic spread right well here's my slight concern what if the halwa a Yemeni got a sort of a bit of a burnt taste? And I asked the cook, 
Hey, uncle, why this is tasting funny? Well, he can respond very easily. Mamo, that's how the halwa is supposed to taste. Did you did you go to Yemen anytime, eh? Have you tasted it there? And that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> and I want to ask him why the uh, Kabul ki murgi tastes a little bit too salty. Well, maybe you'll say that's how it's supposed to be in Afghanistan. But very soon I will be in Pakistan and I will know for certain what the Lahori kebab will actually taste like. Yes, folks, I will be jetting off in two months with a group on a tour of the amazing, beautiful northern parts of Pakistan. You heard of the charms of the Hamza Valley. Well, there's so much to see and do in this wonderland. Yes, 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 I do have some seats left. But hurry, call me now. 082-352-3526. And yes, we can together investigate the real taste of Lahori kebab. Or maybe Kabul ki murgi. I'm sure in the northern parts they'll have it on the menu. And you know what? All this talk about food brings me to the subject of eating. Or should I say, abstention from eating. Yes, dear listeners, Ramadan, Ramadan, Ramadan. Yes, yes, you know, that reminds me of a Muhammad Rafi song of maybe a hundred years ago, which I sang in my pre-diet day, something like this. Oh, dunia ke rakwale. Sun dard bare mere naale Sun dard bare mere naale <laughs> Yes, dear listeners, Ramadan is on our doorsteps. A wonderful month, a wonderful month. And the characteristic of this month is, of course, abstention from food and drink and an abundance of ibadat, reading of Quran, etc. And of course, the rosa must also extend to a control of the nafs. The mind must be clear of all negative thoughts, anger, jealousy, and so on. The tongue must be guarded from gossip and vile language. Actually, this should always be the case as a Muslim uh, character throughout the year. Which brings me to the story I repeat every year. Two Hindu girls in a clothing shop in central Durban, one says to the other, you know, Savvy, today is the first day of the Muslim month of Ramzan. And Savvy answers, hey, Pushpa, you know, you know so much about Muslim religion. How you know today is first day of Ramzan? And Pushpa answers, Savvy, when the boss starts swearing, then I know it's the first day of Ramzan. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Keep your temper in check. Okay? How often have you heard someone say, Hey, 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 don't start with me, okay? I'm fasting. That is such a contradiction. Ramadan should should make you calmer, not make you all ready to bite somebody's head off, not shorten your fuse. If someone irritates you, it's a test of your ability to control yourself, no matter how serious the provocation. Okay? Anyway, you get the point. Okay, now I'm going to say something which may not go down too well with the brothers. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts, huh, baby, because this may impact on your Ramadan. Better to actually put the radio off 
<laughs> the mystery deepens. Okay, are you ready? As I said earlier, when you think of Ramadan, what comes to mind? Yes, of course, obviously, fasting and abstention from food and drink, reading the Quran, Taraweeh, right? That is the month of Ramadan. And what comes before Ramadan? Well, in the weeks before you stop eating, what comes then? The topic of discussion is savouries. Yes, how to end the fast, the rosa, what to make, samosas, bhajiyas, mealy lagan, kebab twist, mince pies, aloo puri, puri patta, and of course, the customary halim. <laughs> hey, the ladies are already busy filling the freezers. So a few days ago at the dinner table, the question came up, what savouries you all want for Ramadan? In a moment of reflexive philosophical uh, reflection, don't know what that means, I said, hey, why should savouries be part of Ramadan? Why don't we just eat what we eat normally? Start with kajur and water and then have normal meals like we do every day. There was a stunned silence and everyone looked at me to see if I was serious. And I continued, Ramadan is a time of less consumption, not more. Why the savouries and halim and everything else? And then the question from Faiza, my daughter. Do you mean it? I said, yes, of course. And then I delivered this coup de gras. Coup de gras, the final thrust of the sword. I said, and let's try to remember that the people of Gaza are dying of starvation. Oh, I think my brief bayan may have worked. So, let's see what happens on the first day of Ramadan. So, <laughs> did, I, did I just plant some seeds of discord in your house, Mamu? Did your fro just say, hey, that makes sense, what AB just said? Maybe we should do the same in our house. <laughs> hey, Motabadi, so sorry if you're going to have a dry jol this Ramadan, eh? Remember to control your temper, okay? <laughs> and, and you know what? I really hope it doesn't end up in this way. I just read on the Times uh, website that there was a booze party at a home in Dankies. After the guest left, the wife, Tendi Simelane, told her husband to lower the volume on the radio. He refused. She took out a knife and stabbed him twice, and he died. Yesterday, she was sentenced to 20 years in jail. So, Mota, I told you to put the radio off, right? Anyway, the side effect of guzzling savouries, etc., at iftar time is evident at Tarawih time. That's right, at Tarawih time. The Bali standing next to you lets out a burp followed by another bigger one, like uh, the double declutching of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Our brothers will know what that means. Double D clutching, eh? The first bub, well, you hold your breath as the one dozen samosas, samosa gas passes your nostril. You just hold your breath. And, and then immediately, the second bub, the big one, long one, of six bowls of halim floats past just as you can't hold your breath any longer and you breathe in, fracturing your nostrils 
and nearly causing you to collapse. So, let's take a vote. No savories and Halim this year. Put your hands up. Let's see. One, two, five, hundred, ten thousand, eight hundred and thirty-nine hands. And all from the ladies, eh? <laughs> uh, now, before we move on to weightier subject, let me quickly touch on local developments, political developments. Various parties have presented their manifestos over the past week. Well, I have just about organized my own political party, and the manifesto is being finalized right now, right? But I'll give you a sneak preview of two aspects of my, uh, my party's manifesto. The first one concerns load shedding. Right, very important subject. My fellow South Africans, it goes without saying that you all are totally fed up with load shedding, especially because it's so unpredictable. You're just about to put your plate of food uh, into the microwave and boof, the electricity is off. You settle down to watch your favorite TV show, ish, it's off. Coffee cup ready, kettle goes off. Sickening, eh? Frustrating completely. Currently, it's very bad. You got that one, Mota? Currently, it's very bad. Eh? You got that sort of pun, right? <laughs> the pun is mightier than the sword. <laughs> Especially, this is frustrating because you cannot keep track of when it's going off. You, you forgot, even though you were given that. So, therefore, fellow South Africans, my party has decided that to save you this unpredictable situation of things just suddenly going off, and then you're getting all angry, we will go immediately. My party will decide to go immediately to stage 20. No more electricity at all. <laughs> Permanently off. So no putting water in the kettle and it goes off. And so what a remarkable solution eh? to take away your stress and your anger. No electricity. And the second part of our manifesto, it is about what is being discussed currently. Cadre deploy deployments. My party will definitely adopt the idea of cadre de deployment. Our top cabinet post will be filled by Abdul Kader and Kader Bucks and Smiley Kader and Kader Asmal and Daoud Kader. More details of the manifesto will be revealed at the launch very soon. Palestine. Anatomy of a Holocaust. Let me tell you what I think, dear listeners, and frankly, I really don't care if anyone is offended. There's a lunatic government in Israel. It is unashamedly racist, psychopathic, murderous, satanic, diabolical, devilish, heartless, wicked, criminal, demonic. And none of these words really express the deep disgust and anger I feel when I see the unfolding slaughter taking place there in Gaza. What manner of people are these? Are they actually human? I'm shocked to, to the core that people who were subjected to unspeakable horror not so long ago could inflict such a wholesale massacre on another nation. I can't make sense of it. It's like a nightmare. The world sees it as a genocide. And some will deny that it is a genocide. And, it, and frankly, it doesn't matter what word you use, because clearly it's a crime against humanity, like the Holocaust. 
Let me read this to you. The largest World War II Nazi ghetto housed half a million Jews. They were forced to leave their homes with what they could carry. They were then slowly starved and finally exterminated. Almost a perfect description of the hell in Rafa today, except it's 1.5 million people. And they said, never again. Dear listeners, I said it many times, you can only uh, maintain injustice through the barrel of a gun. We know this very well here. Hmm? Colonialism is an evil. White men came here from Europe and forcibly took over the country and in the process slaughtered hundreds of thousands of the local people. It established an evil policy apartheid, displaced people, smashed them if they resisted, killed hundreds of thousands. A false peace through the barrel of a gun. And the countries who themselves murdered millions around the world by colonization, occupied, oppressed and exploited, they gave apartheid South Africa acceptance and respect respectability right almost to the end satanic birds of a feather so call it what you like the evil was born over a hundred years ago in the holy land well not actually in the holy land in europe it was called zionism or more accurately political zionism the aim was clear the jews of europe decided to go to the land of palestine and take over the land a land with people, the Palestinians. And of course, they knew that this would mean chasing the people off, off, out of their homes and off their lands. That is evil. No matter what excuse is made to explain it, God's chosen people or God promised them the land or they owned the land two, three thousand years ago, Nothing, nothing can justify the deliberate mass ethnic cleansing, the systematic killing of thousands of people, the brutality, nothing. In my book, in my book, it's ungodly to terrorize people and take over a country. How in heaven's name can it be regarded as being a humane uh, or an act of humanity? It goes against all teachings of every religion. So the original sin was hatched in Europe, Zionism. Let me emphasize this. Judaism is a religion which we as Muslims are told to respect and to respect its followers who practice its teachings of justice and love and godliness. But the few who distort its teachings and endorse murderous actions, they have to be shunned and condemned. They are the ISIS of the day, ISIS, distorting religion. So let me get to the point. Zionism aim was to take over Palestine. It did so systematically, created Israel on 78% of the land in 1948 and then took over the remaining 22% in 1967. The dispossession of the land and the destruction of a people step by step but of course, dear listeners, you know all this. Let me hasten to add that the Palestinians resisted 
a right given to them in international law. One is allowed to defend oneself, to resist occupation and oppression. That's very clear. But that right was ignored, and they, and they were called terrorists. They hit back with whatever limited means against one of the strongest armies in the world, just as the liberation movements here did. Innocent people were killed, of course. Yes, of course. Is it acceptable? Not at all. But you cannot equate one side fighting for, for to liberate their land and their people with just basic arms, with a powerful oppressor possessing tanks and F-16s and sophisticated technology that can avoid targeting innocent civilians. Simply put, there is no equivalence. That, of course, is an unending debate. If in the first place you subscribe to an evil policy, then you will also encounter evil. Evil meaning that there would be the killing of innocents. Today in South Africa, there is no resistance movement that is fighting apartheid with violence. That evil policy is in the rubbish bin of history. And so the evil of Zionism unfolded over a hundred years. Killings and displacement and the so-called, and the so-called Western powers, the former murderous colonial powers themselves, gave respectability, gave acceptance and protection to this terrorist state. These countries that say that they are the civilized world, the light unto the darkness, that believe in human rights, international law, the Geneva Convention, justice, peace, the dignity of man, etc., etc. They support a colonialist apartheid state that is far worse than apartheid South Africa. Anyway, Israel carried out its plans steadily systematically, sometimes quietly, confiscating land, demolish, de, de, demolishing buildings, imprisoning people, killing Palestinians, and so on, and occasionally escalating this when it made them, and then it made the media like four or five vicious bombardments of Gaza. It was on a level that the so-called West could continue to turn a blind eye to and give a blanket excuse. Israel was fighting terrorism. Israel was the victim. Israel is and was the victim. Let me repeat that. Israel was painted as the victim for all these last 76 years in the Western media and by the Western governments. And things carried on merrily. And these bastions of freedom of speech took extreme action, these Western countries, against anyone who even mildly criticized Israel. You would earn the title anti-Semite. I also had the dubious honor of, honor of qualifying for this label. And no doubt my talk today will attract the same response. So to spell it out again, for 76 years and more, the Zionists and Israel um, were given a blanket of cover for the gross violations of human rights, a long existing Holocaust. But things changed dramatically over the past few months. 
basically in two ways. Firstly, Netanyahu, to avoid jail, made a pact with the devil. The lunatic right-wing parties, racist to the core. He virtually abdicated his power to these evil monsters. They licked their lips in anticipation, ready to carry out the final solution, the Holocaust. Get rid of the Palestinians once and for all. And so the opportunity presented itself on October 7th. Like rabbit dogs, they went about the slaughter. Israel's PR machinery went into overdrive. The big lie. The big lie. We are only targeting Hamas, not the Palestinian civilians. Don't believe your eyes. Don't believe Al Jazeera's live broadcast of the slaughter. Don't believe social media. The lies. We are only targeting Hamas. Absolutely astounding. So we have massacres after massacres on a scale not seen in modern times. Death and destruction. Unbridled. And the world saw clearly that it wasn't just Hamas that was targeted, but it's the, the entire Palestinian people, men, women, and children. One million toll moved quickly from the north to safety in the south. And then their homes flattened, entire neighborhoods smashed to rubble. War crime after war crime. People running, running scampering with whatever they can find, whatever they can carry. And as they do, they are attacked. People are seriously injured, and then the hospitals are bombed. Universities, schools are bombed. Ambulances bombed. Doctors killed. UN relief workers killed. Everybody just killed, killed. Goes out to safety. We are not targeting the civilians, they said. Every day, more than 150 civilians are killed. Snipers are all over, shooting at will. People emerging from hospitals, women and children. <laughs> and, that, and a big one, eh? Hamas is using civilians as human shields. That lie is now dead. Indiscriminate bombing, a genocide. So, as I said, the Western world turned a blind eye for 76 years to what Israel was doing, even though there were regular atrocities. But the horrific scale of this onslaught over the past few months, this genocide, has made it impossible for the world to ignore or cover up with excuses. And around the world... Hundreds of thousands of people, Christians, Jews, Muslims, are demonstrating their disgust and outrage. So that's the first thing that is hugely different compared to past scenarios over 76 years. Secondly, another hugely, <coughs> sorry, hugely dramatic thing happened. South Africa took Israel to the International Criminal Court. Good heavens and yeses and ish. The word everyone is using is unprecedented. No country was prepared to take mighty Israel to court. South Africa? Aibo. And what an amazing performance that was. The whole truth was told in graphic detail on the world's 
stage, Israel accused of genocide. And Israel's defense team mumbles, scrambles with some wishy-washy, unconvincing excuses. Israel was convicted by its own words. Gallant, no food, no water, no, no fuel. They are animals. How can you ever make that look like it's not collective punishment and not genocide? Israel tried very hard to put lipstick on the pig. And in the past week, we had more hearings at the ICJ. This time, it was about Israel's occupation of the land it occupied in the 1967 war, the West Bank, the Gaza, and uh, East Jerusalem. The arguments were clear. It was illegal. And of course, yesterday and day before, the American and British presentation said that, no, 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 it's disputed territory. The issue has to be negotiated between the Israelis and the Palestinians and the world and the ICJ must keep out, okay? That's basically what they said. They were very conveniently silent on the fact that the negotiations, so-called negotiations, the Oslo Agreement was signed in 1993, and all that Israel did was to gobble up the land that was to be given to the Palestinians for their state. So, clearly, Israel was not interested in leaving the West Bank or East Jerusalem. 100% clear. And Netanyahu said this long ago, boasting that it was he was responsible for killing Oslo. Okay, so let's move on. You know, I've heard some voices saying, so uh, what's the big deal about the ICJ? What difference does it make? It's just an advisory body. It's got no teeth. Even if it makes adverse findings against Israel, nothing will change. Nothing will change. Not true, Habibi. Always look at the big picture. For the past 76 years, Israel was portrayed as the victim. That was the image it and the Western world presented. And in just a few months, the world saw dramatically and starkly the ugly face of Israel, that it is a bloodthirsty monster, a vicious oppressor, and a realization now that the Palestinians are long-suffering victims. The Palestinians are the real victims. So that's not good for Israel. The thing has turned. The second thing is the hauling off of Israel to the ICJ. Small South Africa doesn't have much power. Eh? South Africa did that. Wow. And this has had a dramatic effect. Other small, less powerful nations around the world most of whom were victims of colonization and who were quiet even though they witnessed the suffering of the Palestinians over the decades, celebrated South Africa's brave actions, which emboldened them, made them very bold themselves to stand up and speak out, gave them courage. One after another came to the ICJ to testify, unafraid anymore that they would get clapped by Israel's bodyguard, the mighty U.S. Which brings me to the third point. 
just as Israel's image has been permanently trashed, so also it's protected the United States. It is shown to be complicit in the genocide. Do you know who is the number one person on my hate list? <laughs> I don't really hate, but number one, but maybe the only person on my hate list, Linda Thomas Greenfield. She is the United States ambassador to the United Nations. For the third time, she raised her hand against a ceasefire. She said that she cannot support a ceasefire. <laughs> Listen to this. Because that would jeopardize the negotiations to free the Israeli hostages. <laughs> she said that she cannot support a ceasefire because that would jeopardize the negotiations to free the, host the Israeli hostages. That, dear listeners, made my blood pressure go through the roof, and I shouted some terrible words at her. I was so angry. Why I particularly hate her is that one would assume that the pain of black and brown people oppressed around the world and the pain of slavery and discrimination in the United States would be deeply ingrained in her DNA and embedded in her psyche to elicit some empathy, some humanity in her. But no, she raised her hand, let the genocide continue. And the United States has repeatedly sent black people as ambassadors to the United Nations that defend Israel. Susan Rice, Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, and so on. Sickening, sickening. On Thursday night, I saw uh, U.S. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken at a press conference in Brazil, where Lula, Lula before that, a few days before that, said what is happening there is uh, like a holocaust, what's happening in Gaza. Anyway, so Blinken met uh, um, Lula, and then there was a press conference afterwards where Blinken said, we are working tirelessly every day, every day to resolve the Gaza issue. He said the words, working every day, at least 10 times. This Mampara thinks we are idiots. Working tirelessly to stop the killings in Gaza. Uncle, listen here. You are doing that by supplying bombs and bullets to Israel to kill more Palestinians and raising your hand to veto a ceasefire? Eh? Working tirelessly every day. <laughs> and yesterday I heard... Genocide Joe Biden at a press conference about, U about Ukraine, all about Ukraine. And he said, the United States stands for freedom. <laughs> you know, I nearly rushed to the sink to bring up my supper. Anyway, let me, we're running rapidly, running out of time. So I just want to play a clip um, which actually en encapsulates all what I said today. Uh, brilliantly summarized in a speech given at the United Nations two days ago by Nada Tarbush, daughter of a refugee of the 1948 Nakba. And now she's a diplomat at the UN Mission for Palestine. So I'm going to play the clip now. And uh, this is A.B. Dauji bidding you all Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. 